I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 7 of Season 6 of Move Up Minute, the daily podcast where we take our Capresk journey through the 1946 classic. It's a wonderful life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jim O'Kane of the Rocketeer Minute, of Apollo 13 Minute, of the Airplane Minute, of I, I, the list airport is going minute, on. And, sorry, airport. Yes. Excuse me, the airport <laughs> minute. Air, airplane is, is one you're going to do in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, well, the, the list we- just goes on. Yeah, we did have Robert Hayes uh, for our last episode of Airport. We had Robert Hayes from Airplane. Yes, you, you mentioned ex- that. You mentioned that on on one of your Apollo thirteen minutes. Actually, I think I just listened to it yesterday where you mentioned it. So I can't wait to hear that. He yeah. was one of our he was one of our best guests. Yeah. So if you if you get a chance to go to Airport, listen to the last episode, it's, and you'll it's on it's on my up. list. You know, I got awesome. Yeah, Jim's Jim's uh, shows are on my list. So you've got yeah. a, you've got enough things to do. I I've seen the movies you're watching every day. <laughs> when you sleep, and, I don't know. I sleep. I sleep. I I find time to sleep uh, five or six hours a night. Also, yes. Oh wow. You know, and and I and I have a day job. You know, so it's, wow. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I keep busy. Keep busy. Yeah. No, definitely. Wow. Well, yeah. here here we are. We're back in Mr. Gower's uh, pharmacy. That's right. So yeah. minute seven begins with Mary responding to Violet and ends with Mary starting to tell a little bit of a secret. Mm. Very, so yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yesterday we we started things. Well, we 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 reached a point where George, you know, got to work in uh, Mr. Gower's drugstore. Mr. Gower is a little upset that he's late, and uh, there's a little girl who we found out yesterday was named Mary sitting on uh, one of the stools, and another girl named Violet comes in. Uh, actually, we don't know know her name yet. Um, uh, another girl sits on a different stool, and this minute begins with. The response of Mary saying to to her, "Hello, Violet." And it's funny how we can see that the the, the actress who's playing Mary, she like looks up and away as she's like responding to this this greeting, yeah, you know, as if she she just has to acknowledge it, but that's it, you know, nothing yeah. beyond that. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, totally and the her face is complete resignation that she doesn't want to have anything to do with violet right. they, not at all they obviously they obviously have a history and it looks yes. like the history involves george bailey it could be it could be and then george you know keep, keeps working and then says to violet two cents worth of shoelaces you know and i yeah. i mean i've always found it really funny that most people will not know what they're referring to here i know you do jim they're, yeah, they're not I'm, referring. They're not referring to shoelaces that you have on, you know, uh, that you put on your shoes. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's doubly confusing because while he's saying shoelaces, it looks like he's tying shoelaces under the under That's the counter. Right. He's actually put. He's putting on his apron, but you're thinking shoelaces. Like, is he talking about she wants shoelaces? That's um, right. But no, that, they're <laughs> definitely a. Uh, it is of the time, and uh, shoelaces, of course, was a form 
of uh, licorice That's right. uh, that was uh, very, very popular at, at the time. It's kind of licorice has, as a candy has kind of diminished in popularity. But at the time it was that or, you know, they, I mean, they had things like clove can't, you know, clove gum and things. People had different tastes back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, they like this uh, sharp taste of, uh, of licorice. Now, was it was, was this black? You think this was black or red licorice? I think I'm pretty sure this was black licorice. I think the red licorice would be later on. I think as the, as as the flavors developed, I think it was that was more of a 40s 50s thing. I don't I don't know how old red vines are, but um, it's been uh, the original licorice licorice flavored licorice uh, has been around for hundreds of years. I mean, it was uh, it, it's it's used in everything from uh, do you, you know, do you know how far back to, do you know how far back it goes? I would guess Roman times. No, uh, sixteen fourteen. Ah, okay. Hmm. Licorice well, format that that we know nowadays, which which are also known as Pontefract cakes, hmm. where they would uh, you have they've have, discs of licorice that had the image of Pontefract Castle on it. Wow. And they they started adding sugar to it in seventeen sixty. You know, I guess to make wow. it a little little tastier. <laughs> wow. I'm, yeah, I'm just uh. I'm looking at how far, how far back uh, the Red Vines Company, which started out as the American Licorice Company, began in 1914, and uh, out of out of Chicago. Um, and uh, they still, uh, I'm sorry, Red Vines, the red version of licorice, didn't come about until 1950. That's right. So, uh, um, so there's the answer as to uh, you know whether whether this is red or 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 black. <laughs> yeah, and um, speaking in, in terms of movie history. One of the more famous scenes using black licorice was uh, Charlie Chaplin in the Gold Rush, where he makes a meal out of his shoes. He's trapped That's up right. in Alaska, mm-hmm. and he it, the shoes were made out of uh, black licorice from the American Licorice Company of Chicago. That's right. Uh, uh, right. So, I mean, red licorice, the irony is, is it doesn't even have licorice in it. Yeah, it's just you know, the licorice, texture, I guess. That's right. Licorice comes from the, the uh, I think it's called anise. The, the extract yes. is, is anise. Extract. I mean, actually, in, in Hebrew, it's licorice is actually called anise. Anise, huh? Yeah, interesting. So it makes sense because it comes from. Yeah, that's where it comes from. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, and my, red my... licorice is just, you know, uh, whether it could be strawberry or or cherry or raspberry, you know, different types of flavors. Nowadays, they have yeah. tons of different flavors. You can get well, apple flavored. <laughs> my connection with anise is I always think of Stella Doro, the uh, uh, New York oh, area. Yeah. Uh, pastries mm-hmm. or breads sure. that had anise cookies and things like that. And yeah. uh, I never associated that with licorice, though. It, did, it didn't have the same flavoring. I mean, maybe it's the sugar or the texture of it. Um, and, of course, it's also used in uh, in liqueurs like Galliano, uh, Galliano liqueur. The primary ingredient there is anise. Right. So, um, yeah, just interesting how uh, varied that flavor can be applied. Correct. Um, but uh, it, apparently it was a it was a hot item back in the back in the nineteen nine well nineteen nineteen era here. That's right. Uh, so are you, so are, yes, it is. It, I mean, it, the movie is black and white, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. You know, that, that's why I asked if it's red or black. But uh, you know, it, it makes sense because we will see later. Uh, we'll see later on the, that that he actually gives her, you know, the the licorice that 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 the shoelaces that she asks for. Now, two cents. I mean, we talked a little bit about this yesterday about the the price differences. But two cents in 1919. How much do you think it's worth today? Two cents. I'm going to go with a quarter. I'll say 25 cents. 35 cents. 35. 35 cents. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which, well, um, 
you know, it's 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 yeah, thirty five cents is okay. That's pretty affordable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm 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 reading a little a little bit of trivia here about the red version of licorice. The the company that came out, the American Licorice Company, had come out with red vines, and they had named it uh, uh, Red Vines Candy, um, but the public uh, referred to it as red licorice because of the similar format and texture to the black. So that's apparently it was just a mix up in the fact that they used the same shaping machines to make these. It was it was originally called uh, cinnamon twists and raspberry twists. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because they were all coming out of the same, they, they look all the same shape. That's that's how it got its name because it looked like the black licorice uh, coming out of, of the extruder. Right. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. And so then George walks across. You know, the the first response that Violet gives is, "Well, she was here first. And then Mary yeah. says, "I'm still thinking. You know, she's she's just biding her time." Yeah, I mean, I, Violet wants to get whatever whatever. Um, order mary has get that out of the way so she can get back to talking to george that's right um and and george is 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 ever the businessman he keeps saying shoelaces <laughs> yeah. that's like, what you order every week this is, that's right you know it, i mean they they they, they fail to, to talk about the fact that you know george must be very familiar with both violet and mary they they must always show up in the shop and they must always have the the same orders more or less you know, I mean, yeah. tomorrow we'll start talking about, you know, some other things that, that don't make sense if they've if they know each other so well. But we'll we'll, we'll get there. You know, yeah. So- and this this doesn't look like the first time the two of them sat down at the in the store to talk to to talk to George. They That's they right. all know the drill. That's right. Um, and and I love how Violet goes, please, Georgie. You know, it's no longer George. It's Georgie. <laughs> yeah, she's pulling out all the stops. It's. That's right. And as he walks over to go get uh, uh, what, what she's asking for, so then she turns to Mary and goes, I like it. <laughs> Mary says, <laughs> Mary goes, you like every boy. She says, what's wrong with that? <laughs> how, how old do you think these girls are supposed to be? They're younger than George, I would say, right? I mean, I, would, I think he's, he's uh, maybe. Well, George, George is 12. George is twelve and yeah. Harry Harry is ten. I get the feeling that Mary is maybe ten. And uh maybe Violet's the same age as George. So she feels that she's got more of a chance with George because they, they might be in the same class together. And Mary's just trying harder to uh you know, this this boy that she really, really, really likes. Um, but how does she compete with somebody who sees, you know, he's in, she's in school with him every day, blah blah blah, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. So, that, that's fair. I mean, I, I I get the. I actually think if I'm doing my math correct, I mean, obviously Mary's brother Marty is 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 in Georgia class. He's one of the the, the you know one of George's friends. But later on, when they're at the dance, and then he introduces George to Mary, he's like, my kid sister is here. And it doesn't seem as if it's her dance, so maybe she's only a year younger than them. Yeah. Okay. You know that that, yeah, that, that would be- that that's my guess. You know, when when we get to those minutes, I'll I'll, I'll know a little better. But uh, you know, ba- based yeah. on memory, I think that's what it is. I yeah, I I haven't looked up what the actresses' ages were at the time. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about the actresses. I'm yeah. talking more about yeah, the, just the the character. Yeah. The characters, right? You know, they they have this little conversation about you like every boy. What's wrong with that? 
Um, so it already shows us who these two characters are. You know, we know that Violet is um, is a young girl who will be after all the boys, and and will also have all the boys after her. You know, for that same reason. And Mary yeah. is is a little shyer, and you know wants to to you know just just she just wants one. <laughs> she doesn't need more than that. Yeah. And uh, it, that's one. And the one is just about, and, it, and it might as well be George. That's right. It, it's, I don't know if it's, it might as well be George. She wants it to be George. Yeah. For whatever reason, we never really find out what Mary loves about George. Yeah. At this stage, we, at this stage, later on, she might learn who he is. Well, you know, assuming you know George is already making this change in her life of who she is and what she is or what her goals are in life. She wants somebody like George. Uh, to be in in his in her life, obviously, because she's competing with Violet. Right. Um, now, would they be competitors if it were another boy, or you know, if somebody else was working Mr. Gower's? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's just it's peculiar. You know, I, I don't wanna, don't want to jump the gun on this, but it's like, how much did this uh, competition with Violet um, make her a different person than right. who she was if she didn't have to compete with? Her and every guy in town. Um, That's true. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. Right. Um, and then we we see George come back into the shot, and he gives her a huge. That's a huge bag of liquors. Yeah. Just for two cents. You know, you yeah. can't even. Get, there's no way you can get that for thirty five cents today. <laughs> you wow. Know? Yeah. And it's and pre bagged and everything. Yeah, it's all ready to roll. That's right. Now um, I, I found an interesting uh, tidbit about licorice that actually in January of 2019 there was a 54 year old man in Massachusetts who ended up dying because he would eat a bag and a half of black licorice every day for uh, for weeks and it uh, caused him to have low potassium levels and uh, basically his heart stopped from it. Wow. So and Annie's removes potassium from your bloodstream i did not know that wow yes so if he had bananas with his licorice he might have been still with us that's right so he, he actually uh developed a condition called uh pseudo uh hyperaldo sterinism because wow of, yeah Oof. okay well stay with stay with don't overdo don't, yeah just just keep with two cents you don't want to have any more that's of right. that a day. well i don't know the two cents is also a lot if you're eating yeah that, yeah that, that amount it, every it, day it, they should have non-prescription strength licorice then. I think. Yeah. Well, you know they're in the drugstore, so you know you yeah. you, you talked yesterday about that you can get chloroform. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah there you. It's possible. You now, did it. you notice that there's a sign in the back that says "Open on Sundays"? Yes. Okay. And, so and it has changed hours too. They changed the hours. There's like a piece of uh, paper right. taped over the front of it. Correct. So, uh, so it got me thinking. It got me thinking of of the the idea of blue laws. Yes, very very memorable. Okay. Um, so, pretty much, pre- pretty much not our, not not as much nowadays. Well, for we'll, we'll, liquor, we'll, we'll liquor laws, I would say. We'll we'll get oh, there okay. in a second. <laughs> sure. So just for anyone who's unfamiliar, blue laws uh, they're also known as Sunday laws. They are laws that restrict or ban some or all activities on specific days, most often on Sundays in the Western world, particularly to promote the observance of the day of rest. Such laws may restrict shopping or ban certain uh, sale of certain items on specific days. Blue laws are enforced in parts of the U.S. and Canada, as well as some European countries, particularly in Austria, Germany, Switzerland, and Norway. 
where most stores are have to be closed on Sundays. The U.S. Supreme Court held that blue laws are constitutional uh, numerous times, and they would cite uh, secular bases such as securing a day of rest for mail carriers, as well as protecting workers and families, in turn contributing to societal stability and guaranteeing the free exercise of religion. The origin of the blue laws also particularly stems from religion, particularly the prohibition of Sabbath desecration in Christian churches following first a uh, Sabbatarian tradition. Uh, labor unions and trade associations have historically supported the legislation of blue laws. Most blue laws have been repealed in the U.S., although many states ban selling cars and impose tighter restrictions on the sale of alcohol on Sundays. Okay, now this is obviously somewhat related to me. There, there is actually there's a lot of criticism from people who uh, who celebrate uh, Saturday as the Sabbath from from that perspective. Uh, like myself, being an observant Jew, so the the right to absorb the Bible's Sabbath as practiced by Jews and Seventh Day Adventists uh, gave gained momentum in the early 50s, and the whole bunch of civil leaders and rabbinical leaders would work uh, either by themselves or via groups. Uh, one of them is the Joint Committee for a Fair Sabbath Law, and they understood that the rights were to be granted, providing that they did not disturb those persons who observe Sundays as they rest. So this stance was supported by the New York Federation of Churches and the Protestant Council of New York. The goal was to give religious freedom to merchants who want to close their places of business on Saturday, but are afraid of business losses from a five-day-a-week schedule. The state legislator discussed the idea of allowing a government-issued certificate to be placed in the window of a place of business closed on Saturdays that would be uh, verified by a patrolman on the beat. So, you know, I, I've told this, this story before. I told it, I think, during Die Hard. My grandfather, back in the late 1930s and 1940s, so, you know, he was an observant Jew, so he couldn't work on Saturday. And you had to work on Saturdays back then. So he actually had a job in a furniture factory. And he made a deal with the with the owners that he would come in early and stay late on the other days of the week to make up those hours so that he wouldn't have to work also on Saturdays. And unfortunately, one morning he came in and stepped into the elevator and the elevator wasn't there. And, you know, he. Wow. Yeah. And he, he fell down one flight of stairs or one flight of uh, he fell down one flight and uh, hit his head and ended up dying a few days later from the wow. uh, thing. You know, but the, the the idea was it was something that was so important to him, you know, that he ended up uh, basically giving his life for that fact. He was uh, 41 at the time when that happened. Wow. And this was in 1944 when wow. when this happened. So, yeah, I, I wanted to just mention some of the uh, blue laws in some states that are somewhat related to either the movie or both uh, you and I, Jim. New York has had a ban on Sunday sales since 1656. Can you believe it wow. goes back that far? The, the Dutch colony of New Netherlands, they, they, they basically uh, started having this law, and it took 320 years for it to be voided as unconstitutional uh, in 1976. Um, and they basically uh, were able to avoid it because parts of the statute are rarely enforced by the police and routinely disregarded by thousands of businesses. So they, they, they said, okay, it's basically constitutionally defective because you had discount stores and supermarkets that were, that were still staying open on Sundays and they, they were actually making more, more money than, uh, than, than all the places that had to close down because they were following the law. Well, um, I, 
I think we've talked about this before. Um, I, I, as you know, I grew up in New Jersey. And well, New, New Jersey, Jersey had... New Jersey is the next one I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. look, uh, okay. Yeah, go, yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> well, you, you and I were both born in New Jersey, so so yeah. I brought that up. So yes. So in in how far back do you think the the laws go in New Jersey? I would think. Well, they started in 1664, so probably sometime around then, even possibly Six, 1677. 1677. They okay. banned the singing of vain songs or tunes on the Sabbath. Okay, and wow. th- there are there are laws that you cannot sell electronics, clothing, or furniture in Bergen County in New Jersey on Sundays. And there are many other counties that no longer follow through with that. But there there are uh, <laughs> the 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 problem with Bergen County is is that it is it has one of the largest concentrations of, of uh, retail shopping malls of any county in the nation. And they have five yeah. major moles within there also. Uh, Paramus, uh, you have three of the country's five major moles. You know, so basically, you know, they, they decided that if you were to ban any type of work on on Sundays, you know, no one would be able to make any money there. So you'd have, uh, so they, they changed it that, that, you can, that you can have grocery stores, gas stations, pharmacies, hotels, restaurants, and other entertainment venues that are allowed to, uh, you know, still be open. Well, um, I, I can. I remember in Bergen County, uh, the, there's a famous uh, discount house from the 50s and 60s. Two guys, uh, two guys, uh, department stores, and on Sundays they had, uh, you know, they had all the different. There were all different departments and big department store, but they also had like a, a grocery store at the end, uh, at, at one side of it. And the clothing department, they would put up um, basically uh, velvet ropes across the sections where the, the things you couldn't buy on Sunday and you could walk down a corridor, you could look in, but you couldn't buy any of the stuff to get to the grocery department or, you know, you'd buy, you could get to automotive, I believe, but not uh, like if you needed parts or something, but you couldn't use, you couldn't go buy records or you could buy electronics. So that was all, that was all roped off. And they actually just, I, I think they arranged the store so they could just put a box around it with velvet ropes. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's- you know, then and there are, there are states I was looking around, like different states, all the different uh, laws. You know, you, there are places where you still can't buy a car on Sundays. Yeah. You know, it's illegal uh, to Texas, sell cars. Um, yeah, Texas is one of them. You, there are places where you can't go hunting on on uh, on Sundays. Texas, Texas is one I looked up also. So you have car dealerships uh, have to be closed on either Saturday or Sunday. They're able to, you know, the dealer is allowed to choose which of those days he's going to stay open and which one he's going to close. Um, obviously, you have a lot of uh, liquor laws related to that. Yeah. Um, did you know that Pennsylvania, up until 1931, it was illegal to have organized sports competitions on Sundays? Wow. And the, the Philadelphia A's actually challenged it, and they were able to get a permit to, to start playing on Sundays. And then uh, when, when they started with the NFL, they they started having to try and change these laws also. Um, I mean that just threw me that that you couldn't play organized sport. Yeah. Um, in, Amazing. Wow. In Illinois, horse racing is is prohibited on Sundays. You know, but it's huh. but what it says here is is really funny. It says horse racing is prohibited on Sundays unless authorized by the local municipality. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that sounds like one 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 campaign contribution, and it's all fixed. Yeah. That's right. uh, wow. Well, That's I, right. I, I yeah, as you, as you know, I, I grew up in uh, in New Jersey in uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and we have where I 
where I grew up, there was a large concentration of Catholics and Jews in the, in the same neighborhoods. And I can remember you know, back from being a kid that um, uh, Jewish merchants would be closed on Saturday um, and open on Sunday. And there were uh, there were there were two dry cleaning stores, and my dad would have to get his clothes cleaned for uh, Monday. He could pick them up on Monday morning, and he could go to one dry cleaning store that was run by a Catholic on Saturday. And if he didn't go there, he went next door to the Jewish dry cleaning <laughs> store, and they'd have it ready for him the next morning. So it was, and I can remember we would come back from church and drop off his dry cleaning, and then we'd go home. Um, but it was. <laughs> yeah, and it and and, and the, the the strangest thing about it was uh, nobody thought anything of it. You know, this was like, okay, this is how you know, and and it worked for everybody, so it was you know, okay, this all makes sense. But um, you know, nowadays everything the, the laws keep changing and everything keeps being open. The only the only thing around that I can think of in here in Texas, um, besides uh, car dealerships that are closed, is we have a. Uh, we have the fast food restaurant Chick Fil A, and they are closed every Sunday. But that's that's not by a law. That's just by the people that run in Chick Fil A. They said everybody gets a day off on Sunday. Um, they they'd close it down. But uh, intriguing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, you can go to Gower's on Sunday. That's right. <laughs> whether whether he's uh, you know whether he's drunk or whether he's so, uh, yeah, sober. it depends. Yeah, doesn't doesn't make yeah, a difference. The, yeah, he he probably moved it to you know let's make it eleven thirty instead of nine thirty. I don't think I'll be around. <laughs> so, um, yeah, apparently just move the move the morning opening date. That's right. Um, right. So so George gives gives Violet the the liquor. She pays him, and and then uh, she says, "Help me down," and he goes, "Help you down." <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's he's not very sympathetic. I mean, he definitely isn't isn't uh, picking up on Violet's clues. And he was, I, I think, Jimmy Stewart got him to say that in the Jimmy Stewart's. If you could hear Jimmy Stewart's voice yes. in all of that, mm-hmm. help you down. Um, That's right. Yeah, really, really came across very well. That's right. And then Violet jumps down from the stool, and then Mary sticks out her tongue at her. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that that camera pushing in at her, so you make yeah. sure you don't you don't miss it. It's only like two frames of her tongue going out, but she's letting letting her inner her inner Mary come out. That's right. Um, <laughs> and and we actually then hear the bells of the cash register, which I think yes. is is basically foreshadowing something later in the movie, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Little did any of them know what what, what that was doing. That's um, right. But you know, thank. Thankful, thankful to the uh, National Cash Register Company to include a bell on their on their register. That's right. <laughs> and and then we, we see that George is still pretty impatient because then he he turns to to Mary and goes, "Made up your mind yet?" <laughs> and you know, as he's doing it, we see that that he takes a glass, and it doesn't look like he's washing the glass, but he's putting some liquid in the glass. Yeah, he's that, he's pulling it off that fountain that 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 is the the fountain itself that's on the uh, mm-hmm. that's on the the, the front right. of that that countertop. So he's obviously adding some kind of seltzer to. Uh, what is he making though? I, I don't know. It, it, it's like, see, it thing. looks like he was he was trying to make a. Uh, I thought he was going to make an ice cream soda, but then all of a sudden you're seeing like chocolate going into a. Right, and maybe then, he was using it just to rinse it out. I don't know. Maybe because because then as soon as Mary says she wants chocolate. He, if you look, he immediately has the scoop of chocolate in in the glass bowl. You know, it's really yeah. quick. 
It's not something that it doesn't take him long at all to to get get that. And then, yeah. you know, as he's preparing it, he goes with coconuts, and she goes, "I don't like coconuts." You don't like coconuts. And he goes, nah. stay brainless. Don't you know where coconuts come from? <laughs> he, he really has a way with women. That's uh, right. Look at here. And he pulls out pulls out the uh, the magazine that's been in his back pocket. And he goes, from Tahiti, the Fiji Islands, the Coral Sea. And then she says, a new wow. magazine. I never saw it before. He goes, of course you never did. Only us explorers get it. I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. So, you know, George is not very nice to her <laughs> at this point. No, not not at all. And she's just she's trying to be as nice as she can, being, you know, showing, you know, the, the classic dating thing of show a shared interest. And it's like, oh, what is that? What is that you've got there? That's right. Um, and and, like, and shouldn't uh, he already know if he's been uh, if he's been serving Mary every week or whatever it is, shouldn't he already know that she doesn't like coconuts? Like, yeah, he doesn't I mean, care. Just, <laughs> he just I mean, it might have been something that he found out today. Um, you know, I'm looking, and I just, I've never noticed this before, that he had given her a glass of water before he was serving up the ice cream. So maybe that thing coming out of the fountain was just a glass of water, because there's a glass of water in front of her as they do the reverse shot. Yeah, but we never, we um, never see him give it to her. You know, yeah, maybe it just, just lands, the, and it's, yeah. it's all, yeah, it's a continuity situation. But, uh, he is proud of his, uh, uh, honorary membership in the, uh, the National Geographic Society. That's right. Um. But it is odd that she hasn't seen a National Geographic until um, 1919, because it had been around since 1888, and uh, it was very popular even at the at the turn of the century. Many many people had it. Of course, you know, she's only a 10 year old girl, so maybe she didn't have exposure to them. Maybe they didn't get the National Geographic at her house. Um, no. I mean, we ne- I, we never meet her father, so you you don't no. know. You know, maybe no, he, he didn't have a father at home, and Marty Marty didn't like reading it, so you know they didn't have it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that maybe that's you know the whole reason she wasn't into coconuts is that she just never had anybody to explain to her why she should like coconuts. That's right, because they're from Tahiti and the Coral Sea and from Fiji. You know, there's there's no other reason why you should like coconuts. Yeah, <laughs> location, location, location. I I did not look up. I don't know if you have of the like primary markets of coconuts i don't know if they are still well, we, tahiti right well we talked about coconuts in well, i think it was when harry met sally is that possible yeah i think it was when harry met sally we talked about coconuts and is uh, there is, is there a center of global coconut uh, marketing or you know, we, distribution we, we did talk about it and i can't remember right now where it is we one of the we, we talked mostly about uh, you know deaths by coconut um ah so I, I don't remember. I mean, obviously it's uh, somewhere. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was in the. It's probably in the Far East somewhere. Okay. Um, there I, was, I can't sorry. remember right now when. Wow. When? When did I? Like, I'm trying to think of where coconut came up in in when Harry met Sally. Hmm. No, it's, uh, yeah, he's like the worst soda jerk ever in trying to sell things. He's, on, he, he literally is a soda jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I have a question. Do you have? Do you have any fav- favorite soda jerks in uh, in film history? Hmm. Well, I, I you know, in in, uh, in the best years of our lives, I think uh, he does a nice job there too. Yeah, I, I do like his uh, uh, you know bringing out his uh, bombardier skills of plotting the trajectory of how to land a land a banana split in front of the customer. That's right. Uh, he 
He's my he's my favorite. I yes, think Fred Dana Andrews. My favorite. Fred Derry is great. Yes. Yeah. Dana, yeah. I, I mean, he, he's, he, Dana Andrews. Fred Derry is basically my favorite character in that movie. I mean, and and there, there are so many to choose from. And yeah, these were both under. Um, I mean, even uh, Weiler was working at Liberty Films when this production was coming out. So I was thinking 1946 must have been a very busy year for soda jerk tutoring for actors because Maybe. you're you know you had this both going on in the same the same year. They might be the same prop developers. So it's just it's intriguing seeing the the rise of the soda jerk in the in big feature films. Um, wow. Well, um. Uh, did you have anything about the uh, the National Geographic Society, for example, the uh, the relationship of like people like Alexander Graham Bell? Yes. Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So the, basically, the National Geographic Society uh, began as a group of elite academics and wealthy patrons uh, who were interested in travel and exploration, and they they uh, the the first gathering was in 1888 on January 13th. There were 33 explorers and scientists that gathered together at a private club uh, in Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. And they basically wanted to organize a society for for the increase and diffusion of geographical knowledge. Um, They created a constitution and a plan of organization, and they they incorporated it two weeks weeks later on January 27th, 1888. First president was Gardner Green Hubbard, his son-in-law, Alexander Graham Bell, Succeeded him in 1897. Yeah, it, it was mostly a family institution. The, the the Hubbards, the Bells, and the Grosvenors all kind well, of Grosvenor, Grosvenor was Bell's son-in-law. Also, it was the idea yeah. that you're going to give it every you give it over to your son-in-law. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it went for a, a century. Now I think it's a, I believe it's a, um, an offshoot of uh, both the Discovery Channel and uh, not Ziff Davis, but Condé Nast, I believe, has a piece of the. Uh, they, they've kind of scattered their properties into uh, uh, more for-profit groups than uh, than being a, an explore an exploratory society. Yeah, they, they even have a music division called the National Geographic wow. Music and Radio. Wow, always uh, made famous by that that John John Williams theme back when he was Johnny Williams. <laughs> um. Yeah, and uh, I mean Walt Disney became a, a partner. The one Disney company became a partner surprisingly. You know, because they they basically became partners yeah. of everything. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're now a, right. a channel within within the Disney Plus organization. Um, yeah, but and just change, a few months ago, yeah. in just a few months ago, they uh, you know the National Geographic uh, fired most of their uh, staff writers for the magazine because they're they're stopping in 2024. They will be stopping uh, any physical newsstand publications. Wow. I have uh, actually in front of me on my desk. I have the uh, I have the National Geographic DVDs, which has every issue since 1888. Oh wow! Um, including a 1912 version of the, uh, a, a 1912 photo of the Himalayas. That if you extend the fold-out pages on a real paper copy of it, it extends 12 feet. Wow. So it's a little bit more convenient having it on a DVD. Um, Probably. But, well, uh, it depends. It depends if you need to have the physical, you know, true. paper. <laughs> if, if you're you going through really the Himalayas, you really long arms. You. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, that's, but, uh, that's how you learn to map to fold maps properly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's a, a basic skill. Um, but, I, you know, I, 
as a kid, my uh, I had an aunt who gave me once I started learning to read, she gave me a subscription to the National Geographic is Society. It, is that the same aunt who would uh, you know go fishing by throwing? Uh... No, oh no, the different different aunt. But actually, she lived next door to my other aunt. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, she gave me. See, a, I remember your stories, Jim. Yeah, yeah, I, it's me too. That's the, I keep telling them again and again. But yeah, my my aunt Bertha gave uh, uh, gave me this uh, this subscription, and she got it for me like every Christmas. And I would look forward to getting those little. It was wrapped up in brown, you know, grocery paper, and you'd slide it out and see who was on the cover. And there was usually like you know a gorilla or Buzz Aldrin or uh, the Eiffel Tower. And you, you know, much like George Bailey, you'd open it up, and it's like. I didn't know this about, you know, uh, amphoras being found in the GNC. And, you you know, you read about like Jacques Cousseau and stuff. And it's like, this is all happening. You know, this is all happening while you're growing up. It's like there's somebody down at the bottom of the sea that's living in a in a submarine for a year. You know, you, you, you read these things. You could follow the space race. You could find out more about, you know, Mali or you could find out about the history of the Smithsonian. Always fascinating articles in there um, that really it, it gave you curiosity about things you may have never heard of before. I think that was one of the best strengths of uh, of National Geographic with kids that you could and you see find it, out. You see it in this in this movie because that's what George George has all of these dreams to go all around the world and do so many different things because of what he's reading in the National Geographic. So you know that that yeah, was really yeah. cool that 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 they're able to you know to to give this over, you know, just, just by, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this before, but we can see that Capra is such a visual director that there are so many things that he should, and we'll see more of it tomorrow. Uh, we'll see his genius of how he does certain things, but. Uh, Capra, uh, I think was affected by National Geographic. I, I mentioned yesterday about the movie Rendezvous in Space, his last mm -hmm. movie. Um, they have Danny Thomas was giving Man on the Street interviews, and he pulls up uh, the famous character actor who's in this movie, Charles Charles Rose. I think I, I think that's his name. He um, he's the guy that works for Potter, who says one day this young man is going to go oh, okay. work for uh, Mr. Bailey. Yeah. Well, it's he, funny that I've, I've always he, laughed whenever he says it because he does not look like a young man. But okay, <laughs> he's he's great. He um he said um in the movie they they throw it to him and uh, you know he's, he's asking him questions. And he says, uh, man was given two gifts, impatience and itchy feet. And, uh, and he talks about that's why, that's why we explore the stars. He goes, because you've got impatience and itchy feet. So, um, and I think that's, you know, if there's a theme through, uh, through Capra's movies, it's impatience and itchy feet. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, the, kind of the Baker Bailey's personality. That's right. Wow. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just fa fascinating seeing seeing all this as a you know as an an oeuvre, the whole you know his his whole motifs uh, running through all of his films. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And you know, then he grabs the the magazine back from her, and then he bends down to get something. And as he's bending down, she leans over the counter, and you know, starts whispering towards his towards his, and she she's basically says. Is this the year you can't hear out of George Bailey? I'll love you till the day I die. <laughs> what would have happened if she, he stood up and goes, no, it's the other ear. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd say, wrong ear, brainless. 
Yeah. <laughs> she would have run out of the store screaming. Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. You never know. It depends Depends how much Mary really loves him. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm wondering in the distance underneath the pipes when he's talking to Mary, um, Violet bought those uh, shoelaces, but I'm not, I think there's real shoelaces hanging underneath the pipes. I may be wrong on what that is, but it looks like uh, how they used to sell spare shoelaces on a card. Um, I may be wrong. That that might be something else, but it, that's what it looked like to me. I was thinking, wait, this whole place is full of shoelaces. Um, no, un- under the pipes? You mean? Yeah, you, under the pipes. Mm, Just no. directly below the pipes. It's not okay, directly not below sure what... the pipes. From what I understand, and I think we get a better shot of it uh, later this week. But I think those are are cigars. Oh, oh, are they? hanging from the card though? Really? I believe oh, so. Okay, maybe. I believe so. Yeah. Or maybe cigarettes, or you know, or what? Oh, okay. What, yeah. Like small yeah, cigars, I guess you can say. Yeah, we're we're seeing the cigar lighter, and I know there's a I know there's a sign there that we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll, we'll later. talk about that later in the week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, let me. Uh, and there's there's also an ashtray. You can see there's an ashtray also on the on on the counter. Yes. The lighter. Yes, which uh, used to be. I mean, when we were growing up, that we were everywhere. That's right. So. Um, <laughs> Very true. Um, okay. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into today's segment? No. All right. No, so, I think I think that's it. All right. So today's segment is off the beaten track. Uh, uplifting story. So basically, uh, this segment is something that uh, my guests will, will give some sort of story, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow uh, uplifting to them, to someone else, could be. So, Jimmy, you got a story for us? Yeah, this is going to, I'm, I'm going to have to preface this by saying, you know, in my previous life, well, actually, I'm still doing it now. I run a, I run a website about uh, television's single dads. And um, I, uh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to figure out how to, how to tell all the story. The, um, uh, at the, I, I write tvdads.com is, is my website, and I talk about the history of single dads on television. And fortunately, at the, at the time when I was doing this back in the late '90s, uh, many of the people that were in early television shows were. Um, you know, we're still alive or still willing to talk about their, their past uh, history. And um, there was a show called Bonino um, that was a CBS show, and it was it was one of the first single dad shows. Anzio Pinza, the, the famous opera star, was in one of the very first single dad shows. And um, he was – a, a long, a long time ago, he ran this this single dad show called Benino, and in the show he played, funnily enough, an opera star. And there was uh, a group of uh, there was a group of boys that he had. He had like eight kids in the show. They were all boys, and um, one of the boys in the show was a, a fellow named uh, Van Dyke Parks. Van Dyke Parks would later become. He was a composer and would wind up being a. Uh, uh, a composer with the Beach Boys. So anyway, to make a long story short, which is now already too late. Uh, <laughs> Van Dyke Park. Van Dyke's Parks is one of these one of the kids in this Bonino show that Ezio Pinza uh, starred in, and he was part of a group called the American Boy Choir. And the American Boy Choir was based in Princeton, New Jersey. The show Bonino was was shot live in New York City uh, every Saturday. The American Boy Choir. Uh, 
was a nationwide search for boys who could sing. It was kind of like the Vienna Boys Choir, except it was the American Boy Choir. It's based in Princeton, next to Princeton University. This is in the early 50s now, remember. So uh, they would, every year at Christmas, the American Boy Choir actually lived in a, you know, they lived on camp, on their own campus next to Princeton University. And uh, it was a kind of a boarding school for them. And every Christmas, they would go around the neighborhoods in Princeton and sing Christmas carols. So Van Dyke, as I was interviewing him once, uh, was talking about he would go, he would commute back and forth between Princeton and New York, and they'd, they'd come home. And so he would do this caroling, and they would go through the town of Princeton, and then they would go onto the campus, and there were resident, you know, the residences of people who had tenure there and would, you know, they would sing in front of their houses. Well, one of the people that was on campus in Princeton University in 1953 uh, was Mr. and Mrs. Albert Einstein. And uh, Van Dyke talked about how they would they would go up and they would they would start singing a carol and people come out and listen to them. So they got to the Einsteins' house and they started singing and uh, they started singing Silent Night. And uh, Albert Einstein came to the door with his wife, and he was listening to them sing. And while they were they sang the first verse, or they were getting through the first verse, uh, Dr. Einstein left. And so they were thinking, you know, did we? Did he not want to hear this? His wife was standing there, but you know, Albert Einstein wasn't wasn't anywhere to be seen. And uh, so they went into the second verse of Silent Night, and all of a sudden, from inside the house. They heard a violin, and Albert Einstein came out on the uh, on the steps of his house and played Silent Night with them. And he said, of all the things that happened in his life, and he'd seen a lot of things go on in his life, he said, being able to sing Silent Night with Albert Einstein backing me up was the most amazing thing I'd ever have in my life. Yeah. And when he was telling me this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there talking with him, and he was in tears telling me about – Albert Einstein backing him up on on the violin, and I think it was just one of the most amazing stories I've, I've ever heard. Wow! Um, but that was, you know, just a, a knockout thing to uh, to hear. Um, so anyway, that's. I hope that was an uplifting yeah. story because it was. It, it always it always floored me every time I th- even even thinking about it. Um, it's just what an amazing thing to happen. Yeah, seriously. Wow, what a great story. Thank you very much for sharing that, Jim. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for All having right. me. Um, so, Jim, you want to tell people where they can find uh, Jim O'Kane? Yeah, you can find me on a bunch of different podcasts. I'm out there on Spotify and things like that. Um, one of the one of my more popular ones that I did with Hal Bryan a few years ago was the uh, the Rocketeer Minute. Um, just like Rob's uh, movies by minutes shows, we covered one minute of uh, Joe Johnston's 1991 adventure film from Disney. Uh, one minute of uh, screen time per episode, and uh, on our fourth episode, uh, we got reached out to by the Rocketeer himself, Billy Campbell, and he joined us on about 30 or 40 episodes. It was kind of uh, mind-boggling, but he became a, a good friend of ours, and uh, we had uh, a lot of fun. We talked to uh, Joe Johnston, the director himself, being on the show, and uh, a bunch of people, you know, some of whom had only one line in the movie, some people who were the uh, visual effects guys and uh, people who did the stunt work and stuff. So they all showed up, and it was uh, – 
a really great time that we had uh, making making a podcast. So if you get a chance, check out the Rocketeer Minute available wherever you, wherever you found this podcast. You're probably going to find our podcast. So check check out the Rocketeer Minute if you get a chance. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.